You are listening to a podcast from The National. I'm James Haynes-Young, The National's foreign editor, and you're listening to the Beyond the Headlines podcast. This week, we reflect on Benjamin Netanyahu's victory in the Israeli election. I waited the result uh, to see in the TV. I waited restlessly, but uh, I was very, very disappointed uh, from the results. And I'm uh, very disappointed about the Arabs didn't uh, go to vote. Um, f- only 15% uh, did it. That's Narain Abusagan, a 47-year-old Arab from Jaffa, reacting to the news that Mr. Netanyahu is set to become the country's longest-serving prime minister. Her views are echoed by 25-year-old Rafat Abu Aish. He's a Bedouin activist and a trainee lawyer from the Negev region of southern Israel. When talking about the Israeli elections, it's very important to mention as Bedouin Arab, uh, the majority of votes voted in the Negev went to the Arab lists, both of them, mostly to the Islamic and the Al-Tajamu party. Uh, we are glad of the of the voting we got, but the percentage was low comparing to other years, which shows a lot of desp- desperation and unbelief of uh, from the people of the Negev who are suffering from discriminations and how demolition in the Israeli democracy. Uh, this unbelief could come in bad uh, in bad results to the Arab struggle, but this is what we have. For the Haifa-based journalist Majid Daniel, the outcome of the election came as no surprise. I expected the results of this election as the majority of the Israeli Jewish population support a right-wing extremist government. There's little support towards the left-wing parties that could have formed peace with the Palestinians and represented Palestinians inside Israel. I would have preferred it if Bibi Netanyahu would have lost power as he has been in office for nearly 10 years and is now in his fifth term, proving no one is able to defeat him. President Trump, meanwhile, celebrated the result. He took to Twitter congratulating Mr Netanyahu for a great hard-fought win. With a corruption indictment hanging over Mr Netanyahu, he clinched votes for his Likud party on the back of toxic electioneering. Jewish voters were warned that the 69-year-old's main rival, former military head Benny Gantz, would team up with the country's Arab representatives in Parliament. Just days before the polling booths opened, Mr Netanyahu promised to annex settlements across the occupied West Bank. Many Arabs decided to boycott the election, particularly in light of the nation-state law passed in July 2018. Susan Zaha is from the independent human rights group and legal centre, Adela. She explains how the law changed the status of Israel's Arab population and the anger that many of them felt at splits among their political representatives. Which uh, imposes uh, Jewish supremacy, identity, constitutional identity, and basically enables and gives gives constitutional legitimacy uh, for ex- for the exclusion of the Arabs for their discrimination, uh, basically excluding them from being part of the nation or being part of the citizenship uh, inside of Israel. And uh, it was uh, like you, you know a lot of Arabs uh, saw that the Jewish nation state law basically sees them not even as a second-class citizen, but even as a third- or fourth-class uh, citizen uh, uh, who are the others, who are unwanted, and who shouldn't be part of the state. Uh, so that was like the first uh, call. But the other part 
of uh, uh, the boycott, like the reasoning for boycott, was because a lot of Arab voters were basically angry about the Arab political uh, lists. The fact that in 2015, all the Arab political parties joined hands, they had, they had the Arab joint list, and it gave a lot of hope for many Arab voters that maybe at least like statistically this time, it will enable them, it will give them more power to oppose and uh, reject uh, racist policies and racist laws uh, against the Arabs. And uh, the fact that the Arab joint list did not last, and the fact that they had internal uh, uh, struggle between them that led uh, 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 to basically to their, uh, to their dismantle, uh, basically resulted in anger among uh, a lot of Arab voters. Osama Saadi stood in the election for the Arab movement for change. We caught up with him as voting was underway in his home neighbourhood of Beit Safafa. The area is split between Arab citizens of Israel who can vote and residents of East Jerusalem who cannot. He said those Arabs who refused to participate in the election were making a mistake. As for those boycotting the elections, they should see what Benjamin Netanyahu is trying to achieve and his attempts to galvanize the right wing. He wants to push forth an operation to annex the occupied lands of Palestine, to occupy Golan Heights, to move the embassy and to claim Jerusalem. I think the only reaction is to vote in full force. Despite those pleas, experts said the Arab turnout was at a record low. Once the ballot boxes were closed and the count got underway, Mr Netanyahu's supporters became worried by the early exit polls. One indicated that Benny Gentz's Blue and White Alliance had taken as many as four seats more than the Likud. Moments later, Mr Gentz announced victory. Hours later, though, the mood at the Likud party headquarters had changed. Party activists and supporters gleefully chanted, Long live King Bibi, as he arrived to make a victory speech. It looked clear that the Likud and their main rivals in Benny Gentz's Blue and White political alliance had secured an equal number of seats in the Knesset. The seats won by ultra-Orthodox and right-wing nationalist parties pushed Mr Netanyahu towards the premiership. So where does this result leave Arabs in Israel and Palestinians in Gaza and the West Bank? Miriam Berger has been covering the elections and its aftermath for the national. So, I mean, now just within the formal political institutions, uh, the uh, Arabs and Palestinians are quite weak. It doesn't really bode well. I mean, no one I've talked to is like optimistic that this is a time for positive change at all. It remains to be seen whether Mr. Netanyahu will deliver on his pledge and annex the settlements in the occupied West Bank. But for many Palestinians there, it felt like the process was already underway. You know, when you talk to Palestinians uh, who live in the West Bank, they say, you know, a lot of people will say we already um, are experiencing what people sort of call creeping annexation, um, where a huge swath of the Palestinian territories, Area C, has basically already been annexed by Israel. Uh, and so, um, you know, obviously this would, if this was to go through, it would be sort of a formal annexation. But I think the reality on the ground and the lived experiences of many people um, is that annexation has already begun. So what are the corruption charges hanging over Mr. Netanyahu's fifth term? He will be indicted. <laughs> that much is clear. The question then is how much can he push legislation in his favor in the meantime, push coalitions and relationships in his, in his favor? It's not something I think that impacts as much uh, the average voter's um, opinions. Um, and so when it comes to sort of um, how that will then shape how the coalitions and other politicians uh 
you know, seed in their interest or not of, of going against, of, you know, continuing to support Netanyahu once he's indicted or not. And, and, you know, depending on how all this plays out, it's still, you know, up in the air. I mean, you're, you are innocent until proven guilty. And I think Netanyahu is for sure there to stay until proven not. (laughs) I've been your host, James Haynes-Young. Make sure to subscribe to Beyond the Headlines on Apple Podcasts or any of your favorite podcasting apps. And follow more of our coverage on our website, thenational.ae.